Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Now, I don't know about you, but, but as I look at my life and as I look at the people's lives around me, as Jesus changes lives, there is nothing else that does it quite like that. There's nothing else that changes lives quite like an encounter with Jesus. And as I've been praying through and preparing, as we've been talking as staff around this, this series called Encounters, I've come, I'm praying with an increased sense of faith, with an increased sense of expectation and prayer. That, that maybe like never before, we might encounter Jesus. We might experience Jesus maybe like never before. As we look at a bunch of different people's lives over the last couple of weeks today and for the next month or so, as we look at a bunch of people's lives who encountered Jesus, my prayer is that through all of this, we might find ourselves in the different moments, in the different stories, the different narratives that we read and we hear together. Let me pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that we can be in your house. Lord, thank you for what you've already done uh, this weekend so far in the lives of so many guys and so many people. But Lord, this morning, we come with hearts full of expectation. God, we don't want to just simply hear from me, but God, we want to hear from your Holy Spirit. So Lord, speak into our lives. And thank you that the Melbourne Storm beat the Broncos. And I continue to pray for Australia that we might beat the Poms in the cricket. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there any Broncos supporters here? <laughs> Condolences. Actually, no, I'm not condolence. Anyway, hey, uh, before we get into the sermon this morning, I just want to announce uh, last Sunday we celebrated the good news for Nat and Gav that they're pregnant, uh, 12-week pregnant, uh, expecting a baby really, really soon. But today we get to celebrate with Matt and Beck Taylor. Now, there we go. Matt's just walked in. Beck's walking in strategically. There we go, right at the back. Uh, they're already standing. Can we just clap and cheer these guys on? Well done. It's exciting. You've got a little baby boy and you've got more kids on that will just kid on the way. So we're excited with you, praying for you and praying that the morning sickness goes away. Uh, hey, we're going uh, to continue this series this morning. And the title of the message this morning is simply called this. How hard do you throw? How hard do you throw? One of my favorite kids, one of my, one of my favorite kids, one of my favorite uh, games playing up was was army. And so we used to run around, we used to grab sticks just like this, and we'd, we'd grab rocks just like this. This was our gun, if you kind of haven't kind of picked that. And these were our grenades. And this is our favorite job, this is our favorite game as kids. We would run around our neighborhood with guns and, and grenades, and, and we would get dirt and mud, and we would smear it on our face and in our clothes to the much joy and celebration of our mothers when we came home from play. And we would run around the, we would run around the yard and, and, the, and the neighborhood. We'd jump headfirst in the bushes. We would throw rocks, and we would play with sticks. I mean, what's not to go wrong with that? I mean, what a great opportunity. And so we would run around, you know, shooting each other and throwing hand grenades and rocks. And, and we used to have a ball doing this. It was our favorite game. The imperative there is it was. Because one day in the moment, in the, in the midst of a moment of passion, I had my gun cocked. I was ready to go. I had my, I had my grenade ready. And I launched my, I launched my rock 
Uh, my, I should call it a grenade because that's what it was. I launched my grenade into, into the baddie territory. So I kind of, oh, there's a few. There's a, uh, so that was hoping that would work. And so we would launch our grenades into the bad, yeah, in, into, the, into, the, into the enemy territory. And I had this, I had a good arm. And I still think I would like to say I'd have a good arm. And so, you know, in the moment of just launching my grenade into the, into the enemy camp, it was a good throw. But it did go straight through the middle of my lounge room window, straight into the lounge room, and knock over one of mum's favourite vases, which proceeded to topple over. It kind of did that as it smashed through the window. We all kind of sucked air together, and then we kind of, and I, and I saw it kind of deviate a little bit as it, as it hit the glass, and then go straight for the vase. And I said, anything but the vase. Because I knew this was a special vase. I don't know what was special about it. It was kind of ugly, but it was a special vase. And it, and it, hit the, it nicked the top of the vase. And the vase did this, wobble, 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 fall, smash. And all of my mates, in my moment of need, all abandoned me. And I stood there with rock, grenade in hand, gun in the other hand, celebrations, now a little bit of fear, as I looked at the front of the house, and there was my mum, not so joyous about my grenade launching experience, not so excited about the fact that I was covered in dirt and mud, or, and holding a stick, and running around jumping headfirst into random trees and bushes and everything else. I was really excited about, uh, I was really excited about my throne. The upside was it was a really great throw. The downside was it went straight through the window, hit the vase, top, 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 full smash. All of my friends ran off, leaving me alone in my time of need. And I know none of you would ever do that to me. But I remember standing there, looking at my mum. My mum's looking at me. I've caught red-handed in two hands and pockets full of rocks. I remember in those moments that mum took me inside and she told me how displeased she was about my choice of rock-throwing, grenade-throwing experiences. But my question to you, to each one of you this morning is, have you ever been caught red-handed? Have you ever been busted doing something that you shouldn't have done? No doubt you can reflect over your life, reflect over your childhood and think of many moments, maybe just like me with grenades and rocks and windows and different things, whatever it might be for you. I want you to do something for this morning. Underneath every single chair here this morning is a rock just like this. I want you to bend over and I want you to pick up your rock. I want you to grab your rock for me this morning. And I want you just to take a few moments just to examine it. Look at it. Look at the different contours, the different shapes. Look at the little, the little bumps and lumps and the holes and the crevices and the, the different colors of the rocks around us. Feel the rock. Don't throw the rock at me, Gavin Andrews. <laughs> Think about the impact that this rock could have on a window or a life. This morning we're going to read together, actually we're not going to read together, I'm going to tell a story of, that's found in John chapter 8. It's a story that if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard. John chapter 8, uh, John chapter 8 verse 2 through 11, record the story of, of a woman who's caught in adultery. And what I want to do this morning is we, as we talk about encountering Jesus, what I want to do is I want to tell the story. And I want to invite you all into this story. I want to invite you all into this moment. And imagine what it must have been like to be this woman. 
Imagine what it must have been like to be this woman who, who in the moment of passion in her bedroom and all this stuff is going on and all of a sudden a door gets, the front door gets kicked in and all of a sudden you hear rummaging and noises and voices and yelling and, and all of a sudden your door flings open in your bedroom and, and, and you kind of hide and you duck for cover and then all of a sudden your sheets get ripped back and you get dragged out of bed and you may or may, may or not may or may not have very much clothing on and you're dragged out of the house. And as you're getting dragged out, you're going, what is going on? And you're kind of looking around trying to grapple with what just happened and what's going on and why you're in the house and what are you doing to me and what is... And then all of a sudden you stop and you look up and you recognize the robes of the people who are dragging you. The ones that are dragging you are the religious leaders, they're the Pharisees, the, 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 the leaders of the, the synagogue. And so they start to drag you through the streets. And you're humiliated, shameful. You, there's dust kicking up in your face and you're, kinda, you're trying to wipe away. You're trying to, you're trying to get away from the people. You're trying to, they've, they've got you by the hair. They've got you by the arm. And they're dragging you through the streets of this city. And they're, they're kind of yelling and there's yelling and screaming. And you don't know what is going on. You don't know what they're going to do to you until you realize what you were doing. And you know what is about to do. And then they, they turn, you turn the corner and you see kind of through the dust and the legs of the people and the, the yelling and the everything else is going on, you see a building in the distance and your heart sinks because you recognize that is the synagogue. And so you're getting dragged towards the synagogue and your heart sinks because you suspect, you wonder, you think to know what is about to happen in the ensuing minutes. And they drag you through the the courts of the synagogue. And there's a, loud group, there's a large group of people in the synagogue. And you don't know quite what's going on. This, you, all of a sudden, there's the hustling and the bustling and the shoving and people getting shoved out of the way. And there's now more yelling and there's now more screaming and people are pointing and looking and, and there's laughing and there's all sorts of things. And you're getting dragged and you don't want to be dragged. So you're, you're trying to fight against all of this thing. And there's pushing of the crowd and, and finally it kind of begins to clear. And you get thrown on the ground in front of someone and there's yelling and there's jeering and there's and then there's someone standing in front of you and you're covered in dust and you're trying to cover yourself and then you look up and maybe she recognized who it was or maybe she guessed who it was you see, she'd heard the stories about this man called Jesus. She'd, she'd heard stories about what he'd done and, and new life and healing and, and all of these crazy things that Jesus has done. And you're lying there in your nakedness trying to cover up, full of shame and guilt. And you're standing, she's lying and everyone else is standing. And you realize you know the law and you know the consequences. You know that in Exodus chapter 20, that one of the Ten Commandments is that you shall not commit adultery. And you also knew that in Leviticus chapter 20, it, it outlines the, the, the consequences of someone who's, to me, caught in the act of adultery. And that was that you would be dragged out and stoned to death. And all of a sudden, it's like the penny drops. Imagine, put yourself in her shoes for a moment. You're lying there in your humiliated, wracked with guilt, 
trying to cover yourself up as people point and laugh and jeer and people are looking for rocks because they know what's about to happen and the religious leaders have already got their rocks prepped just like you've got your rocks prepped this morning. What's flying through your mind? She knew that she was guilty. She knew what the consequences were. What emotions are flying through your heart right now? Whatever her hopes and her dreams was for a future and what might possibly happen with her life and through her life and kids and family, maybe one day possibly. And her thrown into tatters, just like she's thrown into tatters on the ground before Jesus. Have you ever been stuck between a rock and a hard place? Well, there's a difficult decision that you've got to make, but you've got to choose between two unequally unpleasant courses of action. See, Jesus finds himself here. He's in the middle of preaching a sermon just like this, just like to a crowd, just like you. And this lady gets, this, this group of people pushed through the crowd. Imagine what it must have been like to Jesus. You know, he's in the middle of his point. You know, it's like the keys are in the background. It, you know, it's that moment. I'm sure he's in tears because I don't ever cry. And, 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 and all of a sudden, a group of people begin to push through the crowd. And they fling this woman in front of you. Now, what goes through his mind? What goes through the crowd's mind where they're going, hey, zip it, shush, we're trying to listen to it. We've all come here already to listen. What are you doing disrupting and disturbing us? Jesus is caught in the middle between a rock and a hard place. See, he knows. He knows the heart of the religious leaders. He knows the heart of the Pharisees. He knows that what they're trying to do is catch him out. You see, he knows that if he doesn't commit the woman to death via stoning, he, he breaks the religious laws and they can judge him as a lawbreaker. But he also knows he's stuck on that side going, if I do this, then, then if I don't, sorry, if I don't do this, then, then they're going to judge me as a lawbreaker in the eyes of the Jews. But if I, if I jump on this side and if I do do it, then what they're going to do is they're going to drag me for the Roman authorities and because the Roman authorities were the only ones that were allowed to commit anyone to death. And so if he does commit her to stoning to death, then he's judged as a lawbreaker in the eyes of the Romans. Either way, he's in trouble. And here we find Jesus. See, Jesus realizes that the Pharisees do not care at all about the woman. It's not about her. It's not about what she's done. It's all about catching him out. And then Jesus does this really strange thing. Have you ever realized, like, just reflect on your life for a moment. Have you ever realized that Jesus does odd things in your life? You know those moments where you kind of believe in God for something and he doesn't do it? You know, you're kind of expecting that God will, you, kind of, you know those moments where you kind of go, oh, I see how this is working. God will do this. And then he does that. And then you go, huh? You know those moments where you just kind of go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Well, Jesus does a really strange thing. So they're all looking for, you know, the, 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 the religious leaders are like, eh, we caught you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? The, the woman's going, I don't know what he's going to do. Oh, I'm hoping he's not going to do any of the above. And, she's, and then Jesus does an odd thing. He bends over and starts writing in the dust. 
Have you looked at the story and gone, that's a really odd thing to do? He doesn't say a thing. They're all looking at him. They've just asked him a bunch of questions, and he just does this. I don't know. I mean, was that like the first ever recorded game of noughts and crosses? I mean, he's Jesus. He knows what they're going to do. So is it like he wins every time? I mean, he's playing himself, so he's going to win anyway. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, what's he doing in that moment? Is he kind of like wasting time to try and come up with a line? I don't think so. Is he kind of trying to figure out what's next? Is he trying to make up a whole... Like, uh, what's he doing there? What's he doing in these moments? But then all of a sudden, he's kind of, he's leaning down and he's kind of, everyone's scratching their heads going, what are you doing? She's going, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm not dying. So that's a good thing. And the Pharisees are getting angry. The crowd's getting confused. She's really glad. He, Jesus kind of just noughts and crossing on the ground. And then he stands up. And then he looks at everyone. And he looks at the religious leaders. And he makes this statement. Let anyone who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. What he doesn't do next is go, ha, 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 caught you out. Such a good line. Can someone uh, tweet that, Instagram it? I don't know. Like, can someone do something? And what he does is he just kind of, he just bends back over. Lords and grosses. Oh, yeah, when I, come on. You know, he's, and everyone just stands there. I can imagine me like gobsmacked. They just kind of, their jaws drop and they just go, oh, I don't really know what to do with that. Like, it's, Kind of, but I reckon it would have been in that moment, in that moment, as Jesus says those words, that I reckon kind of just a whole lot of thoughts and images instantly begin to flash past everyone's eyes. You know, they, they, they're standing there and all of a sudden, instantly, they're, they're reminded of the gossip and the backstabbing about the person or that friend or the neighbor. The, the, the money that they stole from work that no one the work could never find out about. The, 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 the cheating on the taxes that they did that no one, well, the tax office is never going to know about that one, are they? You know, and, and then all of a sudden, what begins to flash through their minds and their eyes is all of the hidden sin, the things that they've done that no one could possibly ever, ever, ever know about. And they begin to get wrapped with guilt and shame. And it begins to rise as they stand there, hands on the trigger, hands on the rock, ready to go. And I reckon Jesus is standing there still, or he's kneeling there still, still playing noughts and crosses, still doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, one by one, in my head, the picture goes like this. In one by one, all the different people Look at, begin looking at the rocks in their hands. And they start looking just like you did, and I want to invite you to do it again. Look at the rock that's in your hand again. Look at the crevices and the colors and the, the dents and the grooves, and, and you begin to wonder, well, how hard do you really have to throw this at her? You begin to wonder what this would do to human flesh or a broken window. You question, how hard do I have to throw and then all of a sudden, in these moments, after Jesus makes his statement and begins back down and kind of playing noughts and crosses again, I kind of picture in my head that the fact that they, they all begin to look at the, and the sin racking through their mind, and, and all of a sudden, it's kind of, the Bible records that this begins to happen. Verse 9 says this, at this, 
those who heard began to go away one at a time. The oldest ones first until Jesus was left standing with the woman there. The angry crowd of religious leaders with rocks in their hands ready to judge are now gone. I don't know where you are this morning, but as I was thinking through and preparing this and praying over it, God began to speak this into my life. Because I don't know about you, but maybe you can relate to this just like I can relate to this. You see, our accuser no more doesn't wear a rope, doesn't wear a long robe, and, and doesn't have a rock in his hand, and doesn't have an unkept beard. But nonetheless, we have an accuser. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says this about a man called Satan, or a being called Satan. The accuser, the one who accuses you before God day and night. Day after day, night after night, hour after hour, minute after minute, Satan is before God pointing his gnarly, creepy finger at you and he's pointing his gnarly, creepy finger at me and he stands accusing you and me. He's made a career out of accusing. He points his finger at this woman and in our, in our act of immorality, of stupidity, of dishonesty, of selfishness, greed, and lust, the charges keep piling up and up and bigger and bigger. And the worst part is he's not wrong. And neither were the scribes and neither were the Pharisees. She was guilty and so are we? I mentioned before, the Bible doesn't go into record why, why Jesus did what he did or what he wrote, what he wrote in the sands in the temple that day. The Bible doesn't record what he did. We can only purely speculate, but it's fairly widely suggested that probably what he was doing is he began to write down the sins of the different group and crowd of people that were gathered around. So as he knelt down, he wasn't playing noughts and crosses. He was writing my junk and your junk, and he was writing it on the ground. And when he stood up, everyone looked at what he was writing. And they went, well, that's awkward, because that's me. And that's me, and that's you, and that's... And as the woman lied there on the ground, she sort of, she peered around Jesus' legs and looked what he'd written. And he saw at the bottom what she'd done. And he steps away and everyone sees. But ironically, Jesus says, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now you and I know that, I mean, I'm pretty awesome unless you talk to my wife. And she would, she would tell you the big long list of the things that I've done just probably this morning. Wrong. But Jesus narrows down the potential list of executioners to one. God who came in human flesh, the Son of God named Jesus, 
who never did anything wrong, who never sinned. Who... And Jesus looks at her. He's the only one qualified to pass judgment, but he refuses to. See, I, I read it, and in my past, I've kind of looked at it and gone, it just sounds like Jesus goes really soft on sin. In fact, it looks like, it appears as though he just doesn't care. But church, I want to suggest that he, it's not that he doesn't care. He so cares. But he's just big on grace. And so he says these words to this woman and she's lying there. She sees her list on the list that Jesus has written. She knows what's going to happen or she specs what's going to happen. But everyone's gone now and he's the only one that can make the call. He's the only one metaphorically standing with a rock to throw. And in verse 10 and 11, it says this. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, 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 sir, she replies. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declares, now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus addresses her sin, but he gives her dignity. Jesus looks at her. And gives her hope again. Jesus looks at her and gives her grace again. See, the devil will always try and, and fill you with guilt and shame and judgment. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Whose voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the one that's always the accuser? You see, Satan will try and whisper into your ears things like, you aren't good enough. Things like you'll never be able to turn your life around. Things like you failed again and again and again and again. But I want to tell you something. See, the church, there's another whisper that happens. But this time it's not the voice of the accuser. It's actually the voice of Jesus who whispers to you, because of me, because of me, you are enough. Because of me, you will turn your life around. Because of me, you have failed. But there is forgiveness. There is purpose. And there is hope. See, unlike the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Satan, Satan's condemnation brings no repentance, brings no resolution, just regret. And listen, stop listening to the voices of condemnation and accusation this morning. Listen instead to Jesus, who declares on our behalf. Now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Whose voices are you listening to? See, Jesus, Jesus walks into her story. He walks into her story and he changes everything. 
Jesus stands before her accuser and defends her to give her life and to give her dignity. We don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand that day. We can only purely speculate. But what it does reveal to us, it reveals to us this. It reveals to us that He wants us to know the truth and a grace that saves her and saves us. To give her hope. To give you hope. To give you a future. What are those words and the dust say? I want to suggest that forever in this lifetime, we will never know what they said. But Max Licato writes in his book called Grace. He pens these words about this story and about what happens in her and, and, and what Jesus says. He pens these words. Within a few moments, the courtyard was empty. Jesus, the woman, the critics, they all left. But let's linger. Look at the rocks on the ground. Abandoned and unused. And look at the scribing on the dust. It's the only sermon that Jesus ever wrote. Even though we don't know the words, I'm wondering if it read like this. Grace happened here. And it does today. And it still does tomorrow. See, only God knows what happened to the woman who was caught in adultery. But I'm certain that her life was changed. I mean, let's think about this. Remember, we're putting ourselves in her shoes. I, I kind of, if I was her, my life had to change. I mean, how could it not? She encountered Jesus and she encountered an outrageous love and incredible grace. I wondered what, I wonder, in fact, I know that for her it was a life-changing experience and each one of us can have the same life-changing experience. See, if anyone can tell you about what grace is really like, it's the woman that we experienced this morning. Would she invite you to look at the rock again in your hand? And I want, to, I want you to examine it. The religious leaders were going to use this to stone this woman to death because of the sins that she'd committed. They were judging her with this rock. Maybe you have rocks that we judge other people with. Or maybe you've been judged by a whole lot of people and the rocks that they've thrown at you. And what we want to do this morning is we want to provide a place this morning 
This morning's not been so much of a sermon than a story, an incredible story of what Jesus did. And so what we wanna do is we just wanna give space this morning. And Darby's gonna sing a powerful song. And what I want us to do this morning is take a few moments to examine the rock that's in your hand. The colours, the the imperfections. And then we think about the, the damage that this could do to us. And then I want us to do something with this rock. I want us to come with this rock and the memories of what's been judged over us and spoken over us. The rocks just like this that I've used and we've used to throw at other people in judgment against them. And I want us, what I want us to do this morning in a holy moment where we encounter Jesus is bring them before the foot of the cross. The moments where we come and we go, God, God, I've still got pain and there's guilt and there's stuff and there's things and God, I'm laying this before you on the, the cross. God, there's, there's rocks that I've used to to throw at other people. So God, I just, I want to bring this this morning and I want to say I'm sorry. And I want to invite you into my life to allow your Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. So God, I'm going I'm to bring and I'm going to put my rock at the foot of the cross this morning, symbolizing something that I can never do, but you can How hard do you have to throw? What do you need freedom from this morning? The things that are being spoken over or the things you've spoken over? This morning, Darby's going to sing this song. I invite you to come forward to the foot of the cross. rocks that have been so easily used at us we're now going to lay before the foot of the cross standing in faith going God I can't do but you can do
did this morning. God, as we reflect on this lady and the, and the dignity and the love and the joy and the hope and the grace that you showed her. God, we thank you that you do the same to us. God, that as you look down on us, God, you don't judge, but you show love and you show joy and you show hope and you show forgiveness and you show grace to us. God, as we look at the people that are around us and the things that happen at times, God, I pray that we will have that same attitude to those. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Your undeserved, our undeserved and our unearned favor from you. We thank you for what you're doing this morning. We've done this morning. hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.